When is the last time you attended a slumber party with your girlfriends and discussed issues on your heart? Your host is Gina Glenn, who welcomes you to tonight's Mommy Jammies Night. This is a time for you and our special guests and friends from around the world to join in live. Put on a comfortable pair of jammies, pull up a chair, settle in with your favorite refreshment, and prepare to be blessed as Gina welcomes tonight's guest. And now, here's Gina Glenn. Hello, mommies, and I guess there's a dad here tonight. Welcome to Mommy Jammies Night. I want to thank everyone for attending and remind you, if you're listening on iTunes or Google Play, we love your feedback there and your um, reviews there. <clears throat> okay, so tonight's special guest um, is Anne-Marie Gosnell. Hi, hi, Anne-Marie. How are you? Hi. <clears throat> Anne-Marie is... Um, she is the author of a new book called Walk This Way, and you can find that on the very interestingly named website, Future Flying Saucers. <laughs> so she's probably going to talk about that title yes, tonight. Okay, we will. So I won't. We won't jumpstart that or anything. But um, <laughs> I, I do want to make you aware, um, if you have any questions along the way tonight, just drop them in the chat box there or in the submit your question for the event. <laughs> If you're having trouble hearing, just refresh your um, your webcast there. You might have to stop and replay. Okay. Okay, so Anne-Marie, um, she says she's currently an Awana Bible Council teacher, and she tries, um, and her young friends try out all the Bible lessons she creates. Then she mm-hmm. posts them on the blog for you to use. She is the author of Walk This Way, Ethics and Sanctification Lessons for Kids. So welcome, Anne-Marie, and I'll let you go ahead and get started. Hey, I am so excited to be here, and um, I'm actually going to ask you, if you have it near you, to uh, pick up your Bible and open up to the book of Judges, and you might think, oh, (laughs) the book of Judges, that's a pretty oppressive book. What are we going to do in the book of Judges when we're supposed to be having a great uh, night of refreshment? Well, just hang with me, please, and uh, you'll just see, because sometimes we have to start in the darkness in order to see the light. So while you're getting your Bible and opening up to Judges chapter 2, I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I just love you, and I thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to be with these friends, Lord. I just ask that you bless our evening together, that you would use your scripture and your words to just um, help people meditate on you and think about you, our relationship with you, and how we can just love you better. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for us and for saving our souls. And, Lord, may we do everything to glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So let's just get started. Let me introduce myself a little bit more. My name is Anne-Marie Gosnell. I am a wife and I am a mom. I have three kids. I have a fourth grader, a second grader, and a kindergartner. And I've been homeschooling for about the past six years. And I'm also a Bible teacher, a blogger, and now a new author, which has been kind of fun. And I've been heavily involved in children's ministry at my local church where I get to teach, um, not, well, I teach not only my own kids' Bible, but I get to teach other children, uh, the other people's children. So that's a lot of fun. And then, yes, in the uh, Facebook thread, we had some interesting questions about where did the name Future Flying Saucers, that's the name of my blog, futureflyingsaucers.com, where in the world did that strange name come from? 
Well, I bet you're not going to forget the name, and that's one reason why I chose it, because it is so strange, and it's attached to Bible lessons, and so hopefully that will help you to remember it. Um, But when I started the blog about five years ago, uh, my husband and I were trying to figure out what would be a good name. And I knew I wanted to get my Bible lessons out to to be able to help parents and other teachers teach kids scripture. That was my, my goal. And so just coming up with some name, it just seemed rather blah, you know, Bible object lessons for parents or Bible object. It's just everything didn't really work. And um and so, and actually, this is a, a fun thing to do. If you're not doing something like this already, we keep in our kitchen a spiral notebook. And any time our children say or do something funny or something memorable happens or even something that's just um, happens to our family, whether good or bad, we pull out that notebook and we write it down with the date. And then later we can pull it out and we can read through it. We have a, a fun time of, of memory making when we pull those out with the kids and read them through. And so my husband decided, you know what, let me just go grab the notebook and let's see if anything inspires us. So we were reading through it. We came across a quote. My son was about four years old at the time. And then randomly, some one day, my son just blurted out, Mama, when I grow up, I want to be a flying saucer. And I thought, that's random. That's cute. And I wrote it down in the book. And then... And But my husband and I just stopped on that because we started thinking, flying saucer. You know what? God, we want our kids to love God, and we want our kids to spread their wings and, and, and do what God wants them to do. But they're kids, and they're not quite ready for that yet. And that's why, you know, it's our job to teach them and train them. But they will be ready in the future. And so if you take – you know, the analogy that Scripture uses a lot, you know, mount up with wings like eagles and, you know, soar for – we'll change it into a flying saucer, and we want our kids to be future flying saucers for the Lord. And uh, so my tagline on my blog is equipping parents and teachers so children can fly for Jesus because that's what we want them to do. Eventually, our kids are going to leave our home, and we want them, whatever God has for them to do, we want them to do it with excellence, and we want them to do – everything to the glory of God. And so that's where my name, Future Flying Saucers, comes from. So it's kind of strange, but I bet you'll remember it, and that will be fun. Come visit me over there. It's, it's, um, we have some great stuff over there. Um, but now I want to move on into what I have planned for you all tonight because I'm so, I'm so excited with uh, the scripture, even though we're in Judges, but it will be good. Uh, but I want to start out with one point right now that if you don't get anything else, well, I have another point later. But anyway, I want you to get this one. Moms, I want you to surround yourself with grace and mercy. Surround yourself with grace and mercy. We fail daily. Well, maybe you don't, but I know I do. <laughs> I think well, I think it's safe to say that we all fail daily. And and sometimes it's not just little fails. Sometimes they're pretty big fails. We lose our temper. We we make mistakes and 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 we fail. And we need to give ourselves grace and mercy. And we also need to um, give ourselves permission to fail. But we also not only need to give ourselves permission to fail, but we need to give our kids permission to fail. Um, they're going to make choices, and they're going to make choices that we don't agree with. Um, but 
if our home is a place where our kids know that it is safe to make mistakes, then it's going to be easier to learn from those mistakes. See, allowing for failures and allowing for poor choices, it doesn't mean that we stay doing those wrong things. You know, we need to learn from our mistakes and we need to do better next time. And and so that's what we need to, to teach our kids. But see, that's not what the people in the book of Judges did. See, they 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 had a sin issue. But before we do that, we've got to kind of set the stage for what happened, why Judges was the way it was. And you've got to go back to the book of Joshua. So Joshua and the Hebrew people had taken over the land of Canaan. They had been told to destroy the places of idol worship along the way. Uh, but not all the Canaanites had been subdued. So instead of the tribes doing what they were supposed to do, instead they divided up the land. And they just went ahead and settled down. And before Joshua died, uh, at the end of the book, he gathers all the people together, and he does this last talk with them. And it's an encouraging talk. It's to encourage the people, but in the process, he draws a line for them. And that's where this, those, the famous words from Joshua come from. You know, choose today whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the God of your ancestors, or are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites? Well, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so that's how the book of Joshua ends and the book of Judges begins. And so if you do have your Bible and you have it opened up to chapter 2, uh, I just want to read a little bit here from um, from chapter 2, starting in verse 10. And this is what it says. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples whom were around them and bowed themselves down to them. And thus they provoked the Lord to anger. And skip over to verse 18. When the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them. But it came about when the judge died that they would turn back and act more corruptly than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not abandon their practices or their stubborn ways. And let me see that, say that again. They didn't abandon their practices or their stubborn ways. So here we are in the very beginning of Judges, and God's telling us what's about to happen in this whole book. You know, the people served the Lord until Joshua died and the elders, okay? And that whole generation was gone. And see, there was no real leader now for the the Hebrew people. And see, they were supposed to be a theocracy, which is a nation that is led by God. But see, if you think about it, those people were trying to follow a God that they never saw. He didn't have a face. You know, even when Moses and Joshua were dealing with God, the people didn't go. Moses and Joshua went. Well, God was in the tabernacle. Well, that's where the Levites and the priests go. You know, the people of Israel did not have a relationship with God. God had no face. 
you know, and, and so they just eventually just went into gross idolatry and gross immorality. They just began to worship all the idols that were around them and the lifestyle that went with it. And the scripture tells us that we read it took one generation. It took one generation of people, and then they didn't know the Lord. Now, I'm going to stop right here and just I want you to see, oh, that just speaks volumes, volumes about the power of Christian parenting. Moms, do you hear me? Despite all of our failings and all of our faults, if we love Jesus and we are living the best that we can and we're showing our kids scripture and we're teaching them scripture and we've, and we've got them in church and we're, we're trying our best to, to grow, you know, show them the Lord and have them grow up in a, in a household that, that loves the Lord, you're doing so much better than what the people were doing in I mean, one generation, those people didn't even know the Lord. So despite all of our failings, we are doing great. We're doing great because, you know, even if we do, end up, and remember, our kids are going to make their own choices. But even if we end up with a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, we have the hope that their heart will change because we've given them so much scripture. And scripture, the Bible tells us it doesn't return void. And so we have that hope. But see, the judges, the people during the time of the judges, they were in the cycle of sin. And it was just over and over. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so, and even in kind of the scripture that we read, it, it kind of described the cycle. You know, the people sin. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And then God sent an oppressor, whether it was an enemy army or a drought or they were under slavery or whatever it was. There was some type of oppression. And then the people cried out to God and they repented. And God responded by raising up a judge. And the judge led the people to freedom, whether it was battle or whatever that the judge led them to do. And then the people served the Lord until that judge died. And the scripture even tells us that as soon as that person died, they even went back to even more awful sin than their fathers had before them. And so there was this cycle of sin. They never stopped their practices of sin. And it was an issue that was not dealt with. But... Even though that sin cycle continued, God had a remnant. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, that remnant. Because that's what we want to be a part of, that remnant of righteousness. There's always a remnant of righteousness throughout the Bible. Whenever things get really dark and oppressive, God has his remnant. Think back um, in the book of Genesis uh, during the times of Noah. Uh, how bad it was. I mean, God was going to just destroy everybody, but he had his remnant. And how many people were in that remnant? Well, there were eight. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their, and their three wives. So there's eight people in that remnant, and that was it. Um, and so God always has his remnant of righteousness. Well, the time of the judges had a remnant of righteousness too. So if you will, scoot with me from judges and go all the way just to the book of Ruth. Because the book of Ruth took took place during the time of the judges. And, uh, you know, Ruth, well, Ruth is just a great lady. But then, you know, and she was with Naomi. And Naomi was going through such a time of suffering. You know, she 
had lost her husband. She'd lost her sons. They weren't even in Israel. They were living in Moab, and so they weren't even, they were strangers in a strange land, right? And so, you know, she, she's got all of this stuff going on. She's surrounded by people. Moab was a, a nation that worshipped idols, and so, you know, Naomi was just in a time of suffering and hardship. Uh, but there was something about her. There was something about her. Maybe it was something about the whole family. You know, I don't know. We're not told in Scripture. But there was something about her and the family that Ruth saw. See, Ruth would have grown up with idols. But there was something in Naomi that she saw. And so, you know, Naomi tells her, go back to your people. You know, I'm going back home to Bethlehem. You go on back home to your people. You know, I, I'm going to start my life back over there with my friends who knew me. And, you know, I'm going to go by Mara because all this stuff has happened. I'm bitter. And uh, so even though Naomi was going through a hard time, this is what Ruth says to her. You know, in, in um, Ruth chapter 1, on verse 16. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And then she brings the Lord into it. Listen to this. Thus may the Lord do to me or worse, if anything, but death parts you and me. And when she, Naomi, saw that she, Ruth, was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Ruth was a very determined woman, but she saw something in Naomi, and she knew that she needed to follow it. And so what a blessing Ruth was. Here she is, a Moabitess. And, you know, if you know the rest of the story, she goes back with Naomi. She ends up on the fields of Boaz, ends up getting married to Boaz. And then that is the line that brings about King David, which then eventually brings about Jesus. Now, let's stop there and think a minute. Well, we just talked about in the book of Judges how these people are supposed to be working, a, worshiping a God that has no face. And now Jesus is born, and here is God with a face. He is God, Emmanuel. He is God with us. And, uh, you know, Jesus even said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And, uh, and so it's through Jesus now that the remnant of righteousness continues to exist. Okay? God always has his people no matter what happens in the world around us. You know, we've got the Jews or God's chosen people, but then now we have Christ followers. We have those who worship Jesus. We have God's adopted children into his family. You know, we have the church. Um, in our society, I mean, think about it. People are going about doing what's right in their own eyes. Sometimes even in churches, people are just going about doing what's right in their own eyes. But are we being the remnant of righteousness? I want so much for I, I want to be like Ruth and be part of that remnant. But how do we know that we're really doing that? How do we know that we are doing the best that we can at being the righteous part of that remnant? Uh, I mean, many people claim to be Christian. Um, so, so let's break that down a little bit. 
I always like to suggest to you that there's two different types of Christians. You've got your average Christian, and then you have your normal Christian. And the average Christian kind of looks like this. It would be the person who goes to church. Maybe they serve. Maybe they're a deacon or a leader of some sort in their church. They do wonderful things for other people, and they just kind of just go through the motions because that's what they're supposed to do. That would be an average Christian. And then you would have a normal Christian. And the normal Christian is the one that lives a victorious Christian life in Jesus because it is a life lived with faith because it pleases God. We serve with our focus on Christ, with a focus on spreading the gospel and evangelism and practical service to others. And so, you know, you can have an average Christian life or you can have a normal Christian life. And we have to kind of figure out which one we are. And really, sometimes we slip from one to the other. I know I found myself going through the motions sometimes. Sometimes church just kind of loses its flavor sometimes. And then we get a burst of the spirit in us or whatever it is we get back to our bible reading or we get a a fire lit under us and we're back to you know the refreshing spirit of of having that normal christian life again for example i have a friend who um she's going through a really hard time right this year's has been really hard on her she um has lost a parent and then uh, also her husband is going through some cancer treatments and it's just been really really tough on her and her family and i was talking with her one day mainly to just try and find out what i could do specifically to pray how i could pray for her and she looked at me and she goes Anne marie really i just want to make sure that no matter what happens we glorify the lord and it just floored me. I was like, she's going through this really hard time, and all she wants to do is glorify the Lord. That, to me, is that normal, victorious Christian life that we should be seeking to have. And um, and then it's through our modeling of this normal Christian life and how our kids watch us and they see what that normal Christian life it looks like. and then then they kind of pick up on that. And now we can't change their hearts. We can't change their hearts. But we can show them what a victorious lifestyle looks like. And um that kind of I can break that down. Let's break that down a little bit more. How do you have a victorious lifestyle? Well, I would like to set it up like an addition problem. If you can just kind of visualize. Now, you can't see me. I like to talk with my hands, so my hands are like flying all over the place. So kind of visualize an addition problem with me. So uh, see the word why plus the word how equals the word what. Okay, and I kind of took this edition from the book Designed to Lead by Eric Geiger and Kevin Peck. It's a great book. It's it's written more for church leadership development. But as I was reading, I was like, oh, this can be applied to our families. This is so good. So I just want to share this with you. And so what it is, it's why plus our how equals the what. And I'm going to show you that the what really is not all that important. So let's start with our why. Why do we do what we do? Plus our how. 
how do we go about doing the things that we do equals the what. What do we end up doing? So the why and how of our life, let's use some churchy words. The why and the how is ethics and sanctification. And those really are some churchy words. So let me define those for you. Ethics is a code of conduct. It's our values. It's our value system. And if we claim that we are Christians based on scripture, then we have Christian ethics, which is based, um, you know, on Christ and the Bible. And there are a lot of different codes of conduct around us. There are a lot of different values in the world. There's a lot of different motivations, okay? So the, our why is what motivates us. It's our ethics. And then if we scoot to sanctification, sanctification is the lifetime process of God transforming us into the image of Christ. You know, so our goal is holiness, right? Perfect holiness. You know, God says, be perfect as I am perfect. You know, that's the end goal. And of course, we know we fight sin all the time. There's no way that we can be perfect here on earth. So that's our goal. That's heaven, right? With God, perfect. But he wants to be transforming us, right? We're supposed to be renewing our mind constantly. We're we're on this process and that's our how. Uh, so the why is our motivation, and the how is the process by which God takes us to the goal. So our why plus our how equals what God ends up doing with us. And really, the what really doesn't matter. Whether you're a nurse, a teacher, an engineer, a horticulturist, musician, nanny, a hairdresser, a mom, dad, you know, all those things, why we do what we do and how we go about it is much more important than what we do. Because if we have a why that is motivated by the Lord and we have our how and we're in the process of transformation, we can't help but glorify God with what we do. Now, the book of Judges, that cycle of sin that we talked about, that, if you can visualize with me, that's kind of like a flat circle, okay? You sin, the, the people sin, and they, uh, God sends an oppressor, and then, you know, they cry out to him and repent, and then he sends a judge, raises up a judge, and then the judge helps them get out of their oppression, and then they walk with, you know, God for a little while, as long as that judge is alive, and then they sin again, and they go around this cycle and around this cycle, so that was their cycle of sin. It just never, never stopped, okay? Our cycle is different from that because Jesus changes a lot. Um, so if you think about it, think more like a spiral, and I don't mean a spiral that's flat. I mean like if you were to take the middle of your spiral and pull it up straight, okay, and you kind of have, I guess there's like wind chimes or something that kind of look like that, and there's spiral that kind of goes up. Um, that's what I want you to, to kind of visualize. And so at the bottom of the spiral, you know, we are born into sin. That's what Scripture tells us. Everybody is born into sin. And then you have that moment where you encounter Jesus, and you decide to have him as your Lord and Savior. And at that moment, you're walking with him, right? And you've had your sins forgiven, and you're walking with him, and you're learning, and you're going in life, you know, and it's great. And then you sin. 
But then we have this thing called forgiveness, right? So we go to God with forgiveness, and he gives us that grace, and he gives us that mercy, and we're walking with him, and things are good. And then we sin. And then we go to him, and we get that forgiveness and grace and that mercy, and we're walking just a little bit closer with him. And then we sin. And then we forget, get forgiven, and we get a little bit closer to him. So every time we're messing up, and every time we try to fix what we've done, and God's helping us through the, the, the spirit working through us, and we get closer to him as we're walking with him. You know, and ultimately the goal is being perfected. And, of course, we won't get there until heaven, but the goal is there. And we're to run towards the goal, Paul tells us. And so that is a much more hopeful cycle to me than the cycle in Judges. Now, the ethics and sanctification, the why and the how, that's what we've got to kind of focus on. So let me give you another example of a visualization for how this all works. Uh, Sometimes my daughter has awful tangles in her hair. They're just awful. We call them rat's nests, and they're just all in her hair. And then let's say she's standing there, and I have a hairbrush on the counter. Why is that hairbrush there? Why was it created? Well, it was created to get out tangles by brushing the hair. Well, how do I get the tangle out? Well, I've got to pick up that brush, and I have to move it. And it has to go through the process of brushing out the tangle. So what happened? Well, the tangle is now dealt with. We've dealt with the tangle. The hair is now clean and uh, straightened the way it's supposed to be. And so why and the how brings about the what. And the same thing happens for us in our lives. Why were you created? What is the whole purpose of man? Well, we were created to glorify God, and that's the remnant of righteousness. That's where we want to be. And our how? Well, how are you going to glorify God? Well, the first thing we have to do is make sure that we believe in Jesus and that he's our master, because none of this works without him. And like in the book of Judges, they had God, but they had no relationship with him. And just like those without Jesus just have no relationship with God and they're stuck in their sin. But in Romans 10, my Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, saved from what? That cycle of sin. Jesus breaks that cycle of sin. And so those who are in this remnant of righteousness, we recognize that it is not It's not our righteousness that saves us, but Jesus is. There's no way we can save ourselves from that sin. He has to do it. So now how do we take these truths that we have accepted and transfer them to our kids? How do we do that? Well, we have to make sure we teach the why to our kids. Why do we believe what we believe? Why do we go to church? Why does our family not do certain things? Why does our family do certain things? You know, why are we taking a meal to a neighbor? Our neighbor, Why? Because we want everything we do to glorify God. That's our why. And as we teach the why to our kids, we help our kids through the process of how we glorify God. And these are all of the daily decisions that we face, that our kids face, and the things we have to work through, like, Well, how am I going to respond to my brother if he's annoying me? 
how am I going to control my anger? How am I going to love someone who seems unlovable? Well, how can I be honest when I've done something wrong? So, see, teaching our kids the how, the why, and the how, the ethics, and the sanctification is is just so important. My kids have a bucket of dress-up clothes, and in there is an old pair of shoes that I used to have. And they'll, my girls will pull them out and put them on and clump around the house uh, in them. And, and so they clump around because the shoes don't fit them. They don't fit. The shoes don't fit them, but they want to be like me, and that's the way our kids are. They're clomping around in in our spiritual haven we've kind of built in our home, and they want to be like us, but it does, just doesn't fit yet. But through practice, they're going to begin walking in our ways as we walk in Jesus' ways, okay? and then therefore the remnant grows. You see, Isaiah thirty twenty one says, Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. See, through belief in Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to check our our motivations, that's our why, and to stay on the path of righteousness. That's our how. And so staying on the path, walking in Jesus' ways, takes us to the goal of glorifying God. Now, like us, our kids, I mean, I can get distracted. Uh, sometimes we wander off the path a little bit. There's some potholes or uh, boulders in our path that we've got to go around, and, and our kids deal with stuff like that too. But we have the voice of our Savior behind us. The Holy Spirit will guide us and guide our kids. And so in the midst of all of this chaos that we're going through, ladies, just listen here. We forget what our purpose is, our goal. We forget our value. Um, The mundane of everyday life sometimes takes away the specialness of who we are. But I want to remind you of your value for just a few minutes because what we do, what you do, is so important. Remember, back in Judges, it took one generation, one generation, and all those people were steeped in sin so if uh in genesis chapter one verse one it's very familiar to you in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and then when we jump to verse 27 it says god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them the hebrew word for god in those verses is elohim which means universal creator. Isn't that great? Universal creator. The word for created is bara, which designates um, an act that only God can accomplish. So creation was only something that a universal creator could do. It just couldn't happen on its own. And this universal creator also created, that word bara again, created people. But what's really neat, I love this, and, and the, this is what I want you to see, is that Elohim created people in his own image, something only he could do. He created these people in his own image. And that word used for image is selem, which means, I love this, not a duplicate, but to shade or shadow. 
Therefore, God didn't create us to be little gods like him, but we were created to be in the shadow of God. So think about our little kids wearing shoes that are too big for them and clomping around the house. Okay? Uh, or think that this, uh, the kids and I play this game, this shadow game, where if we're walking somewhere and there's, you know, shadows and stuff, the, the kids will try to step on my shadow. And, and they just think it's great fun because I'll speed up or I'll slow down or I'll turn and just be all silly. And they're sitting there trying to step on my shadow no matter where I go. And they think it's so fun. I'm stepping on your shadow. And they just they just think it's great. Well, that's what we are with God. We've been created to step in his shadow and be a part of what he's doing. We get to go where he goes, be involved with wherever he is involving himself. Now, think back to what Ruth was saying. You know, uh, when God moves forward, we should move forward. If he is still, then we need to be still. And and there's one other thing. In in verse 27, he he says three times, created man, created him, created them. And see, he says that word three times. And you'll notice in Scripture, if God ever says three things in a row, you better take note of it. It's pretty important. So he he takes great value on us following him in his shadow you have a purpose you have value what you are doing is important because you were created by elohim to be in his shadow and it's the same with our kids they were created for that too and see you know right now you know it's a silly game but right now my kids your kids they're stepping on our shadows the shadows of our spiritual lives. But our goal is to have them step in Elohim's shadow. That's our goal, right? To teach our kids. And we need to watch how we walk. You know, that's that average Christian versus the victorious lifestyle Christian, the normal Christian. We need to watch our our shadows. We need to watch how we walk. We need to take inventory and, and evaluate ourselves. And, and if we do fail, we need to fix it the best we can and do better the next time. And, oh, we need to extend grace and mercy to ourselves and to our families. And, and when we do this and we persevere trying to do what is right, then we don't have to worry about raising up a generation that doesn't know the Lord. Um, I think Gina's going to tell you a little bit about this more, but um, there's a printable that I have uh, that you're going to get, and then I'm going to close out um, in just a minute. But I wanted to tell you about this printable. It's, it's a checklist. A checklist for righteousness is what I called it. And it has a list of questions. And, and, and if you print this out, just kind of stick it in your Bible and pull it out every now and then. It is not meant to condemn it is only meant to get you to think and just kind of pray through with the Lord because I just, I, if I'm doing something wrong, I want to be challenged to get myself right with the Lord because I know that I want to do the best that I can. I want to be excellent for him because I want to glorify him. And so sometimes that means really taking a deep look 
at my shadow, at my life. And so there's just a bunch of questions on here. They deal with um, our desires, our obedience, and our motives, our thoughts, our values, and our habits. Uh, there's some character questions and relationship questions and then uh, moral leadership. And just to just kind of get you to, to start churning some stuff with the Lord. And um, and there is a section there for a yes or no if you're doing it. And some of these you might go, yeah, I'm doing pretty good with that. And then you might hit another one and go, mm, I might need to work on that one a little bit. Um, but it it is here again. It's not just to check things off and say you've arrived at something. It's really to just look at that or how that process. How are you working? Are you you doing good? Are you you uh, working on that spiritual? Are you in the Word? Are you you know just 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 check yourself, evaluate. And so I just I just want to end end with this. I just I want to encourage you. What you are doing, Christian mom is extremely important. Don't lose the faith, even in the midst of daily failures, because you're part of the remnant. Extend grace and mercy to yourself, to you and your family, because all of you are working out your salvation as you go down this path of righteousness, right? I think it would be so great one day in heaven to meet Ruth. Because, you know, she's got no idea, she had no idea at the time that she was going to have thousands of people after her, thousands of years after her death, these people who, you know, look to her as as an example. But, you know, God is going to glorify himself through us if we allow him to. So I just want to read a few more scriptures to you from Ephesians, just in closing. In Ephesians 5, 8 says, For you were once... For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So think about judges. They were in the darkness. But Ruth and Naomi, even though it was a hard time, they were in the light. And they were walking in the light, no matter how hard it was. And then Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children, let me read that again. That's just so good. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. That's our shadow stepping, my friends. Isn't that great? Just like children, just like our children giggle and laugh as they step from shadow to shadow. Oh, walking with the Lord is so great. Even in the hard times, it is so great. And God loves you. He wants you to go where he goes and stay where he stays and be involved where he is involved. And I just encourage you. You have value and you're doing great, great things with your family. So you have, Gina, you have the the checklist and everything for them? I, I do. I have the checklist and I'll have that up when we have the um when we have the replay ready. So okay. I want to make everyone aware again. Thank you so much for the encouragement. And even though my children are teenagers and older, um, it's still encouraging to hear that I don't think it's too late. You right. know, that you can you can start doing that um, that shadow right now, that shadow stepping. So, Absolutely. Do you think that list would be good to print out for a teenager? Oh, like, yes, definitely. Like okay. I think so. Especially okay, if they're having their own personal quiet time and stuff, if, if they've started that habit, that mm-hmm. would be a great thing to do. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for tonight. And I am sure you blessed everyone. You certainly blessed me. You can visit Anne Marie at futureflyingsaucers.com. I also want to thank um, tonight's special sponsor, Media Angels, where you can find homeschool and mom encouragement um, products. That's mediaangels.com. And we'll sign off for tonight. Thank you so much, Anne Marie. Thank you. I'm so happy you joined our session of Mommy Jammies Night. Please drop our guests a line and let them know how thankful you are that they gave their time. And follow up with Gina Glenn on Mommy Jammies Night Facebook page and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network Facebook page. Or via email at gina at mediaangels.com. God's blessing upon you and your family. The conference is now completed. Goodbye. Welcome to the conference. Please enter the conference ID followed by the pound key.